Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, flying solo today. Derek had some trouble getting back from Orlando. Uh, flights delayed all yesterday morning and then eventually canceled. He woke up at 4 o'clock on Sunday morning, hoping to get back to Lexington pretty early in the day. Uh, flight was canceled or uh, delayed multiple times and eventually canceled. He had to drive to Georgia where he then had to spend the night due to tornado watches in the area and then had to make it to Atlanta this morning to fly out to Knoxville and then the drive back to Lexington. So uh, Derek has not made it back to Lexington yet. As soon as he does, we have plans to record a football mailbag episode at some point today to put a bow on a 10-3 and season for Mark Stoops and his team who won the Citrus Bowl. Uh, but until then, I decided to record some basketball takeaways since we didn't get to do that coverage for you moving into the new year. That is my New Year's resolution is to get back to what Kentucky Daily was best, and that was grinding out content daily for you. Uh, any news that happened in UK athletics, we were very, very good at getting out there. Schedules and lining up schedules got in the way there in November and December. That is no longer a problem. Derek and I talked in Orlando, and we have a schedule down. Uh, so Kentucky Daily, that is my New Year's resolution to, to our listeners. Thanks for sticking with us. And uh, we're, uh, we're excited to see what 2022 holds for us. But let's talk about this Kentucky basketball team that is now up to number 15 in the net rankings. And the big, the big storyline with that is they were 51st or 52nd in the net going into that North Carolina matchup just a little more than two weeks ago. So that was December 18th. Here we are on January 3rd. A little more than two weeks, two weeks later, Kentucky is all the way into the top 15 of the net. And that is a huge tool used to seed at-large teams in the NCAA tournament. And the reason it's big is Kentucky right now, outside of that Carolina win, they don't have a lot on their resume. I think Carolina was number 35 in the net. Let me double-check that before we move on. Well, I'll, I'll pull it up in just a second. But I believe they're somewhere around 35th or 36th in the net. That's Kentucky's best win. Now. Kentucky has an opportunity tomorrow night at LSU to pick up a quad one road victory, a number five team in the net, LSU. They got two games versus LSU this season, so two opportunities for quality wins. And listen to these. Auburn sixth. They go on the road to Auburn later this month, on the road to Kansas. That is ninth. Two games versus Tennessee. That is 10th in the net. Two versus Alabama, 21. And then Mississippi State comes to Rupp Arena. They're number 37 in the net. So Kentucky has opportunities to build that resume over the next couple of months, and uh, that's going to be a big tool that they're going to use is going into the NCAA tournament to look at Kentucky's overall body of work. In addition to the net, Kentucky is now number eight in the Ken Palm uh, rankings. So they're ninth in adjusted offense, 17th in adjusted defense. John Calipari's best teams at Kentucky have been ranked inside the top 20 in both categories. So 115 points per 100 possessions in the adjusted offense, and then Kentucky is giving up 90.3 points per 100 possessions defensively. Uh, so this is a team that is really starting to figure it out during this stretch of wins, and uh, the numbers are starting to show that. We'll see where the, the net rankings fall over the next couple of weeks. They pick up a big win at LSU tomorrow night. That's going to be huge for the resume, and we'll see where Kentucky climbs in that and then in Ken Palm as well. Uh, but let's talk about these two wins that they've had since the last time we talked. So I recapped Western going into the Christmas holiday, and then now I'm going to recap uh, Missouri and High Point. Let's start with Missouri. SEC win. It's, uh, there's no such thing as a bad conference win. Kentucky was able to, to get out of there uh, with a big win last Wednesday night. Had a lot of people play well. Sabir Wheeler 
11 points, nine assists, only one turnover. Very, very good performance for him. Uh, Tata Washington continues to quietly do his thing. Uh, 14 points in the win versus Missouri, six rebounds. Followed that with 15 points and nine assists in the win versus High Point. And I'll talk about the assist with him in a moment and why that was big in that matchup. Uh, but Ty Ty has been a, a guy that just quietly does his job. He is quietly getting better. He is becoming that guy that we thought he could be. And if he becomes that guy fully by the time you get to February or March, then I think Kentucky has its guy that can that they can play through in uh, late-game situations. And that's the thing that I want to see. I expect this game versus LSU to be very, very close, and I hope it is because I hope it identifies some things about this team. Who's the guy that they play through in the, in, down the stretch? Are they going to post Oscar on the block? I don't know. They tried to do that at Notre Dame, but he was the only guy that was playing well. I think that that is what led to that. Is it going to be this who has the hot hand on a, on a, on a given night, or are they going to have their identified killer late in the game, late in crunch time, two or three minutes in the, in the second half? Are they going to have that guy that they identify that they play through, or is it going to be the hot hand? Uh, with this roster, I don't know yet. I do think that Ty Ty Washington is going to be that guy at some point this year, but I believe we're getting to a point with this team that there's there's so many collective pieces that when someone else when someone's off, someone else is on, and it could just be who has the hot hand. Uh, Kellen Grady has certainly had the hot hand the last few games. 20 of 31 from three-point range during this stretch of play. Uh, he was 2 of 5 versus Missouri. It's like you have to have more three-point attempts from him than five. He's shooting the ball too well. Seven of ten versus high point, a huge second half from Grady. Uh, finished with another twenty point performance, uh, just a big day for him. And he got into a zone in that second half that there was no cooling him off. And if he gets to that that, that level in confidence, uh, then look out with all the other things that Kentucky can do offensively. Uh, Grady is he's bought into his role, and I think that's what you're seeing with this stretch of play. When they went to Notre Dame. They had played seven straight games against opponents that had not challenged them. The Ohio game, that was a solid opponent. But other than that, they hadn't been pushed. They hadn't been tested. They got into that environment, and I think Kentucky had no idea who they were. And I think that was the biggest thing that led to that loss, is the roles had not been identified. And I know some people can say, well, what are you talking about? Kellen Grady was a great shooter at Davidson. Yes, he was. But when you look at his numbers at Davidson, I don't have them pulled up in front of me, but I dove into them over the weekend – he took a lot more two-point attempts at Davidson than he is at Kentucky. And I did tweet about that. I think it was on Friday after the high-point game. And I'll pull up my tweet so I can uh, be specific with some numbers that I found. But the thing that stood out to me is that he's kind of bought into this role as a three-point specialist at Kentucky. He was more of a slasher. He shot some twos. He got to the rim and uh, did some things like that at Davidson. But that has not been the case at Kentucky. Uh, so right here – uh, he took a lot more twos at Davidson, is what I tweeted, 13 games in. Now roles are defined. He's, his 76 of his 102 shots have been threes this year. That is a three-point specialist, shooting, uh, I believe, 50% from three-point range up to that number now. I'll, I'll double-check that before I uh, wrap up this episode. But that is a three-point specialist. That is what I'm talking about, roles being defined. Oscar Shebley knows his role. It's to hit the glass. You saw that in the Missouri game. He had 13 points in that game, but he was two of 10 from the field shooting. That did not carry over to the glass and the defensive end, finished with 20 rebounds. That is knowing and understanding your role. You have these guys coming off the bench. One game against Western Kentucky, it was Jacob Toppin that provided a spark. The next game, it was Davion Mintz against Missouri. These guys are starting to know their role. 
And uh, talking about Savir Wheeler, the 11 points, nine assists, and one turnover versus Missouri, he has 2.7 assists and four turnovers versus High Point. He wasn't as good in that game, especially early. Still got to that number of seven assists, and it was more than turn more than the turnovers, which was good. Huge, huge that he is taking care of the basketball. Sure, he had that first half, wasn't the best, but he did settle in and then finish with a stat line of seven assists, four turnovers. So that was big. But the thing about Tata Washington's non-assist that I was talking about a moment ago is when Savir was struggling, it then came to Tai to get things started, non-assist. So that's what I'm talking about. This team is so good at picking each other up. If one guy's off, someone else is going to pick up the slack and play very well. I just think they're a hard team to prepare for because you can't necessarily take away all the things that they're good at. If you spend a ton of time on Kellen Grady, then you're not going to be as in, in those gaps as well, and you're not going to be able to stop Xavier Wheeler getting downhill. Or if you spend a ton of time on Ty Ty Washington or Oscar Sheboy, Kellen Grady is going to get loose on on you a couple times on the defensive end. I just think that this is a very difficult team to prepare for, and I think it's hard to prepare for their bench as well because you just never know. Is it going to be a Davion Mintz that night? Is it going to be a Jacob Toppin with that performance? Is Bryce Hopkins going to give you something for a stretch? Uh, Keon Brooks played very, very well against Missouri, one of the best games he's had uh, in a Kentucky jersey. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It was Jacob Toppin in the Western Kentucky game, which then brought up, should Toppin play more? And uh, I was of the in the camp that said, yeah, Toppin needs more minutes. I still think he needs to play a little more. But I'm starting to, to settle into that four spot that Kentucky doesn't just have a dominant locked-in four-man because I think Keon and Jacob Toppin do things differently. And I think that's a good thing because then if you go into a matchup and Keon's playing well, you ride Keon. If you go into a game and Jacob Toppin's your guy, you ride Jacob Toppin. There's going to be a night where they're both playing well, but they're different. Keon can get to that mid-range jumper and do some things there. Jacob Toppin, a, a really good defender, a really good leaper, a high-energy guy. Uh, they, they do things differently, and I think together, collectively, they, they put together a very good four spot uh, for Kentucky. And then you throw Bryce Hopkins in as you need him. Uh, but, but this is a team that is really starting to figure it out. But the thing that I'm wanting to look for going into this LSU game is who is the guy late? I want this game to be close. I know as Kentucky fans, you're probably thinking, no, man, let's go out there and beat them by 20 to 25. And that would be great. But I actually want to know who do they go to in a pinch? What is the, what do they call? Who's the guy that they're playing through? How do they play late? Are they poised? It's their, it's a, it's another road game, that road game at Notre Dame. Honestly, I talked to Jack, I talked to others that were there. It wasn't that rowdy. This LSU game, I expect to be rowdy. It's a, it's a road SEC game. 
And uh, Kentucky's going to get LSU's best shot as well as everybody else's in this league as they go through the next two months. But that's that's what I'm wanting to see. Is in a close game, who is it? Who do they play through? Who's the guy taking shots? Who steps up and dives on the floor for a loose ball? Who grabs a two-handed rebound? Who sets a good hard screen? Those toughness plays that it takes to win on the road in the SEC in a good league this season. So we'll see what happens uh, in Baton Rouge on Tuesday night. Huge opportunity for Kentucky. Like I said, we'll have a basketball mailbag episode coming for you uh, before that game. So we'll talk recruiting. We'll talk uh, whatever you want to talk with this team, this winning streak. Uh, but there's some very good quality win opportunities coming up for Kentucky uh, here the next couple of weeks and next couple of months uh, that that resume will start to take shape. And this uh, this team could uh, find its way into a very good seed in the NCAA tournament if they can put together a good stretch of play the next eight weeks. It's hard to believe now that we're less than 10 weeks away from having a bracket on Selection Sunday. So uh, this suggested Ken Palm rankings, all these net rankings, pay attention to all that stuff as I tweet it. I'll tweet out probably daily updates, honestly, with Ken Palm uh, and with Ned. I've been doing the Net daily, and I'll uh, start doing the Net and the Ken Palm as well and putting some things up on the site for you. I'm, I'm, I'm planning to do some scouting reports for opponents and uh, some takeaways from games. So in addition to the – I might make this a permanent thing with some takeaways as well of mine, as well as what me and Derek do on the pod because I've had some people reach out and say that they enjoy some of the solo episodes at times, especially when me and Derek can't get one in – or something happens and I can record, I will definitely make sure that you have some content up. But as I wrap up here, I do have to talk about the ceremony Friday uh, for the High Point game where Kentucky retired Tubby Smith's jersey to the Raptors of Rupp Arena, deservingly so. Uh, unbelievable, unbelievable man, unbelievable coach, great career at UK. It was really cool to see that moment uh, on TV. I, I hated that I couldn't be there. I was in Orlando for the Citrus Bowl. Hunter Mitchell was there covering for, for my outlet, Go Big Blue Country, doing photo, and he did an excellent job, took a lot of great photos. And it's going to be really cool to walk into Rupp Arena on Saturday for that Georgia game and see that Tubby Smith banner hanging uh, above my seat. On that side, I sit right below where they hung that banner. And uh, just a really cool thing. The My lifetime as a Kentucky basketball fan, my early years – Following the program, it was the Tubby Smith era. I uh, got late Rick Patino, 96, 97, but I didn't really dive into Kentucky basketball until that 1998 season. I watched every game with my dad that year. Uh, just a fun tournament run that Kentucky went on that season and just uh, just a magical ride that you were – you all know. Some listeners on this podcast are old enough to remember that run. Some are probably too, too young to remember that run, but they've gone back and watched highlights or you've had your own tournament run, a 2012 run or one of those 14 runs to the Final Four, you know the emotions that go into that. And we all have that connection to that one team that really made you fall in love with it. And that was the team for me. And Tubby was a big part of that. I, I will always say that Kentucky would not have won that championship if it hadn't been for Tubby Smith. I know I've talked to Scott Padgett before, and he's told me the exact same thing. Uh, Jeff Shepard, others have said the same thing. That run of the Duke game in the Elite Eight, Stanford in the Final Four, Utah in the championship was some of the best coach basketball you'll find. Go back and watch those games. The swings and momentum, the first half deficits, the clawing back in the second half from three double-digit deficits. Uh, the Duke game specifically for me, the thing that stands out is when Mike Krzyzewski used his last timeout and then they had to play like the final six or seven minutes, I believe, without a timeout. Tubby Smith refused to take a timeout while Kentucky was on that run. He did not allow 
the ball, the game to stop other than that under four media timeout because he knew that that was a momentum killer for Kentucky. And he, he outcoached K in that final nine minutes. And then the same thing in the final four game against Stanford and then against Utah. So a great man who deserves all the recognition. And I'm so glad that he was there. I'm so glad that COVID did not uh, cause that game to get postponed or canceled because that would have been a, a horrible thing because he deserved to feel that love from UK and from the uh, the BBN, and he certainly did on Saturday he, or Friday. Uh, came out to a standing ovation when he came out of that tunnel on the opposite end there of the UK bench. Uh, just a, a really great day, a really cool thing, and I, I'm so glad uh, that Kentucky found a way to honor him and honor him the right way. Uh, so I just wanted to wrap up uh, with Tubby Smith and just uh, talk about how special his time was at Lexington. And uh, maybe one Tubby story here as we leave. I know I shared this on Sources Say the other day, but uh, I, the first time I met Tubby Smith, I was at Big Blue Madness when I was uh, just a, a little kid. And we, we came out and the parking lot was there. And sure enough, he was going to his car as we were walking to our car. We'd, we'd stayed and got some autographs. And I met him in the parking lot. He, he signed a, a basketball for me. And then uh, I know I shared the story on Sources Say the other day about uh, my uncle worked for Terminex. And he would uh, go and do some work at Kaywood Leffert's house right before Kaywood passed away and uh, walked in one day and there sitting on the bed is Tubby Smith, Keith Bogans and Tayshawn Prince. Uh, just a really cool thing that I'll never forget uh, is following this program. So a uh, sp special time. It was cool. It was the, the first time that I'd got to see a Jersey retirement uh, covering Kentucky and uh, just a, a really cool moment. And not many guys have their names uh, their name up in that rafter, especially head coaches. Uh, but all the ones that have won a national championship have. John Calipari will certainly have his name up there someday. Uh, but Friday was all about Tubby Smith, and rightfully so. As always, this show is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub. you got three locations, Palmville, Williamsburg, and London, Kentucky. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. I hope everyone had a happy new year. Here's to 2022 and a very good year for Kentucky Daily. We'll see you next time.